am going to read a Christmas version of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, if I decorate my house perfectly with large bows, strands of twinkling lights, and shiny ornaments, but do not have love, I'm just a decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not have love, I'm just another cook. If I work at a soup kitchen, sing, in the, sing Christmas carols at the nursing home and give all that I have to charity but do not have love, it profits me nothing. If I trim the tree with shimmering angels and handmade snowflakes, attend a myriad of holiday parties and sing in the Christmas cantata, but do not focus on Christ, I've missed the point. Love stops the cooking and spends time with family. Love sets aside the decorating to bless your neighbor. Love is kind, even when dealing with Christmas crowds. Love does not envy another's home because it's beautifully lit up with lights. Love does not yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful that they're there to be in the way. Love does not give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who cannot. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Toys will break, jewelry may be lost, and the new golf clubs probably won't help your game. But giving the gift of love will endure. So we're celebrating the greatest gift of love this morning, the birth of Jesus. And the great thing is that as Christians, we can celebrate this all year round. There's one time during the year that, that even the world focuses on this and we want to take advantage of that, but we can focus on it all year around. Scripture tells us that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. He was given to you, he was given to me, and he's given to whoever believes. There's no requirements to be worthy of the gift, no monetary requirements, no educational requirements, no political affiliation requirements, no family history requirements, no racial requirements, no gender requirements. That's how the world excludes people. Our only requirement is to believe. Believe in a God who was born in human form, not in a palace, not to a king, not in the nicest home, but in a barn to a peasant girl with no money from the wrong side of the tracks. All right, so let's look at Luke chapter two. Verse one says, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that, the, that all the world should be registered. Verse three and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, 
to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, I want to point out just a few things as we're going through this. We've all heard this story more than likely. I want you to act like you haven't really heard the story a hundred times before. Okay, And I want to point out a few things that uh, you may not be aware of or you may not have remembered. So what we have right here, let's think about this. Mary and Joseph, they were the wrong kinds of folks. You ever felt like you were the wrong kind of folks? Joseph went up from the region of Galilee. The word Galilee... The, the Greek word for Galilee does not mean this beautiful, uh, you just hear the word Galilee and you think about the Sea of Galilee. And I'm, I'm sure there's, there's been some poems writ, written about Galilee. There had to be, you know, some, some Christian song, probably some Southern Gospel song I wouldn't listen to, that's all about Galilee, 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 Right? The word Galilee literally means circle of heathen. Circle of heathen. So Joseph is coming up from the circle of heathen, and it says he's of the town of Nazareth. Even one of Jesus' disciples said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Why would he say that? Because Nazareth was a poor area. It was literally the wrong side of the tracks. Verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to the firstborn to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And once again, we've heard this story so many times that we just, we just take it for face value. There was no room in the inn. But in Hebrew culture, you took people in. It didn't matter how full the place was. You took people in. You were not to allow people to be outside overnight. You would not be a good Jew by doing that. So what's going on here? This is... His ancestral home, remember. He's got some kin folks living there. Had they heard that Joseph's wife had gotten pregnant before they got married? Or maybe he was just looked down on because nothing good can come from Nazareth. Right? Has there been some gossip going on? Has there been some things going on? Has there been some people talking? Whatever it was, there was suddenly no room in the inn. There was suddenly no place for a man and his pregnant wife about to give birth. Verse 8. And in the same region... 
there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So, what's the good news? Here's the good news. Just like Joseph, we've been called up from the circle of heathen. Just like Joseph, we've been called out of Galilee and into Judea. Judea is just the Greek word for Judah, and Judah means celebration. We've been called out of a place into a place of celebration. We've been called out of Nazareth, where there is nothing good, to Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And once again, in, in, in Hebrew culture, where there was bread, there was plenty. So he's been called out of a place where he was on the wrong side of the tracks. He's been called out of a place where nothing good could come from, and he's being called into a place where there's plenty. But how can this be? Verse 11 tells us, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is called Christ the Lord. Now listen to this. Unto you, unto you. The angel was not talking to to important people. He was talking to the lowest of the low. He was talking to the shepherds in the field. And he said, unto you. Why did he go to them first? Why didn't he go to the kings? Why didn't he go to the potentates? He went to the lowest of the low. So they would know, unto you is born a king. Unto you is born a king. Think about this. When it was time for Jesus to come, he symbolically came from a place surrounded by unbelievers to a place of celebration, a place of lack and need to a place of plenty. We've all come from a place of spiritual destitution. We've all come from a place of spiritual lack and rejection. But the birth of Jesus was the beginning of God calling mankind higher. Just like Joseph, it says he went up. God has called us to go up unto you. I want you to hear this, unto you. Sometimes we can look at this and we'll go, well, that's great for the world, isn't it? No, it's great for you. It's great for you. Yes, it's great for the world. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this world, but it's great for you. You getting this? (laughs) All right, verse 13. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace among those with whom he is pleased. That praise that the angels began that night, that praise is still going on today because we're still giving God glory for his great gift of Jesus. 
Jesus who brings peace, peace to our hearts, our troubled hearts. He's brought peace to us. The angels were the first to bear witness to Jesus. But now it's our job. It's our job. Our lives should be a life of praise that shines forth the glory of God. It shines through us. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 and 2, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. There's that word, you, again. Make it personal when we read these things. The glory of the Lord has risen upon us. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. This is who we are as the church of Jesus Christ. Corporately, but also individually. If we're partakers of the good news of Jesus, we are now the light of the world. And we can't hide. We can't hide. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There's that word you for the third time. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. We need to live our lives in such a way that we are showing that we are the light of the world. It can't be hidden. That's what we just read, right? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. There is a light about us because of who we belong to. There is a light about us because we've come into this relationship with Jesus. But we sit there and we think, but I've got so much junk going on in my life. That's okay. So do I. But we can still burn bright, can't we? We can still shine brightly, can't we? Sometimes we get this idea, if I would ever get my life cleaned up, if I would ever get everything in order, I might be who God wants me to be. But have you ever thought that he just might use your stupidity to minister to somebody else? What's going on in your life may just minister to somebody else. I'm not, I'm not giving license. I'm not saying, go out and sin so people can see a sin. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we struggle. We go through things. That's called life. But even when we're going through things, we're a light. 
We're a light. We're a light to this world. We're a light to the hurting, to the rejected, to those from the wrong side of the tracks, the addict, the homeless. We have the good news for the lost, the weary, the broken, the abused, and those who wear a smile to hide their pain. Let's shine together and show the glory of our Savior. Let's shine during this season for those who struggle through the holidays. Now, you may have a big tree up at your house, and there may be presents all around it, but there are people right here in Tyler, Texas, that don't have anything. I was talking to a good friend of mine this week, and we were talking about Christmas. And this is somebody that has a, a strong relationship with the Lord. And he said, I don't, I don't like the holidays. He said, I've just got some history that I don't like the holidays. Statistically, depression goes up. Suicide goes up. During the holidays, during this time when we're celebrating, there are people that are hurting so we get to be the light you may have family come into your house this week you may be going to family's house this week and everybody has got some of those relatives that are still living in the circle of heathens right love them love them As somebody just said this morning in our, 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 our pre-service meeting preach the gospel use words if necessary love people now I know it's easy to, to, to look at some of the, the issues that our family have and we just want to tell them about it but what's going to open the door loving them when Lisa and I were first first married, we were young, and, and y'all think she's so perfect, and she is perfect. I love her just the way she is. <laughs> but I got to tell a story about some of her stupidity. You hear all my stupidity every week. But when we were first married, and we would go out to Georgia to, to visit her family because she was so passionate about wanting them to connect with Jesus the way that she had. And it's not that they weren't church people. It wasn't that they weren't even saved. They were just not living up to who they could be. There was just stuff going on. And they would say stuff and they would act certain ways. And in her zeal for her family... She would jump right in the middle of it and she would tell them how wrong they were and they'd get in fights and they're yelling at each other and everybody's mad at each other. And I'm hiding in the bedroom. If you got family coming to your house this week or you're going to, to their house, yelling at them is not a proof of how much you love them, okay? They're going to say some things, they're going to do some things because they may be still living in Galilee. 
but God is calling them up. So love them just because you've made it to a place of celebration and you've made it to the house of bread. Be the one that turns and and gives out that bread and gives out the, the celebration and just love them. Love them. If you know somebody that has no place to be on Christmas Day, invite them to your place. You know, Isaiah says, God speaking, he said, this is the type of fast I want. I'm tired of you just skipping food. I'm tired of you just, you know, doing this and doing that because it looks good on the outside. He said, you really want to do something that pleases me? Invite people into your house. So I'm inviting you all to my house on Christmas Day and she's cooking. But I'm serious, if there's anybody, if there's anybody that has no place to be, if you're going to be alone on Christmas Day, I want you at my house. Well, is there room? No, not really, but that's okay. Would it be inconvenient? Of course, but that's okay. Love is not always convenient, is it? Let's be inconvenienced for people. Let's all have that heart, okay? Let's all have that heart. Let's shine together and let's show the glory of our Savior. Let's shine as we tell the good news of the greatest gift ever given. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So will we shine for others? Will we shine so others can know God, so others can know about the gift? And can you shine from the transformed life that God has given you? But you know what, you can have Jesus And you can have the Holy Spirit inside of you, but you're still not shining. Because we make choices, don't we? And we let situations affect us. I know that we go through things. I'm not dumb enough to think that, that people do not go through things. But like I said before, even when we're going through things, we were created to shine. This is us, a light, a light in the darkness. We're not meant to be hidden under a basket as the scripture said, but to be put on a stand so all can see. Says it'll give light to the whole house. Do you know that you can give light to your whole house? Even if everybody else is still living in Galilee and Nazareth, you, can give light to your whole house. So this week, as as we give presents, as we get presents, let's be sure that the greatest gift that we're giving is the love of Jesus.